The Long Box Crusade presents monthly Monday movie muckabout because the podcasting world needs yet another movie review show. I am Rick, also known as Not Jeff from Jeff and Rick Presents, and I love movies. I've got this huge collection of movies, and I love to talk to people and see if they've seen any of them, or if there's a movie they haven't seen, or is there a movie that they should see? So in order to rectify this situation, I have them come on down here to the old Longbox Crusade haddock and show them one of these movies. And this time, I've got an absolute treat. Let me tell you, I, you can't see it on your side, but I can see it on my side. I got Elvis. He's in the building. He's in the building right now. That's right. I'm talking about Auburn Elvis from the E2C Network and the Auburn Equestrian Podcast, War Horses, named War Horses, right? That's right. Auburn Elvis, how you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. This is great. Uh, you know, the, the idea sounded so cool that I thought, hey, I love films. I love talking about them. So yeah, I'll give this a shot. You are my target audience. You're the target person I want to have on the show. Somebody who loves movies and loves to talk about them. Mm-hmm. That's what I love to do. That's what you love to do. And and let me tell you, when I when I turned on the video camera and I saw Elvis staring at me, I started laughing. I was like, this is <laughs> this is going to be great. This is going to be wonderful. Yep. So uh, with the Auburn colors too, right? Oh, yes, definitely. You know, you got to know what team I'm supporting when I'm, you know, wearing this. I'm not wearing this because I'm an Elvis fan. I'm wearing this because I'm an Auburn fan. And the Elvis part is just to get noticed. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. I, I, I've already admitted this to you, but I'll admit it. I am not a big football watcher, and okay. I am over here on the far west coast. So many Auburn fans aren't football watchers right now either. So it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I just know of Auburn Warhorses because of Delvin and Jared Albrecht, and yep. I know people who know Auburn. That's that's my connection. That's cool. We're not here to talk about Auburn. We're here to talk about movies. And you came on the show specifically to watch a movie that you haven't seen before. That's Are right. you ready for me to tell you what that movie is? Yes, I'm excited. All right. You gave me a, a list of recent movies, but yes, I kind of yes. went to the the back end of that list that you gave me. Uh-huh. And I'd like you to watch The Martian from oh, 2015, okay. directed by Ridley Scott. Yeah. All right. What do you know about The Martian? What have you heard about it? Okay. Well, I've seen the trailers and, you know, nowadays you can't help but see trailers and you wonder okay is the movie really good or did they cut the trailer because from what i understand they use different companies to cut those trailers together than who actually do the editing on the actual film and sometimes you wonder well (laughs) they should have gotten the team that did the trailer editing to edit this film so yeah i've seen the the thing and it's about matt damon getting stranded on mars like there's some disaster everybody leaves and then when they're like halfway home they realize oh we forgot matt damon (laughs) And, uh, you know, he wakes up from whatever and is under rubble or something and is like, oh, I got to science the S out of this. And that's the big quote or whatever, at least in the trailer. And so then he's like, yes, surviving on Mars off of junk. And then they got to figure out a way to get him home or either he builds a spacecraft or something. I don't know. And lots of cool people are in it. Yeah, I, you are not wrong about that. You've already talked about Matt Damon. We've also got Kristen Wiig, Jeff Daniels, Michael Pena, Sean Bean, Sebastian Stan. Even Donald Glover's got a bit in this, which I was reviewing this from my own memory. I'm like, wait, Donald Glover's in this? Oh, my God, I forgot that. I mean, there's so much. The, the cast is so deep in this that it's amazing. Yeah. As far as the plot, yeah, you do get a lot from what you've seen on the trailers. Uh-huh. 
I'm just kind of curious. You, you kind of got a lot from it. Why haven't you seen it? Oh, man. Well, it came out at a time when I was seeing I, I, I watch a lot of Marvel movies and it was probably with kids and family and then Auburn sports. And I have so many things I'm interested in. I, it was just, you know, maybe number five or four on the priority list. And I never got down that far. So, yeah. But uh, it's it looks like a quality movie. And, you know, nobody ever from my memory, nobody ever said, oh, man, that movie sucked or anything like that. So <laughs> I saw it, it's like, OK, I should see that someday. And I never got around to it. So, yeah. Well, here is your chance. This is your opportunity to sit down and watch a movie with Matt Damon stuck on a planet far, far from home. And I am going to give our listeners the opportunity to listen to that trailer that you talked about for them, The Martian from 2015. I guarantee you that at some point, everything's going to go south on you. Ready? And you're going to say, this is it. This is how I end. Commander, Mark is dead. We have to go. Now you can either accept that, or you can get to work. This will come as quite a shock to my crewmates and to NASA, and to the entire world. But I'm still alive. Surprise. Here's the rub. It's going to be four years for another mission to reach me. And I'm in a hat designed to last 31 days. So I got to make water and grow food on a planet where nothing grows. But if I can't figure out a way to make contact with NASA, then none of this matters anyway. We've got an incoming message. Mein Gott. <laughs> Mark Watney's still alive. Woo! In your face, Neil Armstrong. There must be some kind of way out of here. Okay, so let's do the math. I have enough food to last for 50 days. He's going to starve to death long before we can help. So, I'm gonna have to science the shit out of He's 50 million miles away from home. He's totally alone. What the hell is he thinking right now? I am the greatest botanist on this planet. I know how to save Mark Watney. But we need the Hermes crew. We either have a high chance of killing one or a low chance of killing six. I'm not risking their lives. It's bigger than one person. No. It's not. NASA rejected the mission. So if we do this? We're talking mutiny. If anything goes wrong, we die. Do you realize how crazy this is? We had no other option. No matter what happens, tell the world, tell my family that I never stop fighting to make it home. We had an opportunity to sit down and watch The Martian all the way from 2015. And now I'm back with Auburn Elvis himself to talk about the movie. But before we can do that, I'm going to give a very brief synopsis of this very technical and very scientific film. So bear with me. Mark Watney, a botanist who is part of the Ares 3 team, is left behind on Mars and believed dead after a frantic evac in the middle of a storm 
on the Red Planet. Alone, with no communication to Earth and no chance of immediate rescue, Mark uses science, intelligence, and creativity to survive on a planet designed to kill him. Methodically solving problems as they occur, he develops soil to grow more potatoes, finds and restarts Pathfinder for communication, and keeps himself alive. Meanwhile on Earth, the politics of running NASA and the narrow window for saving the stranded astronaut creates moral and logistic issues. So, Auburn Elvis, what did you think of this film? What was your first impressions? My first impression was, boy, there's a lot of stars in this movie. No pun intended, (laughs) but lots of big names in this movie. And uh, no, it's a good movie. I mean, this was obviously a, you know, a big deal. I don't know if it was necessarily an Oscar vehicle for mm-hmm. Matt Damon. I mean, his his mom probably thought so. But uh, the rest of us were like, OK, mm-hmm. you know, it, it harkened back to Apollo 13. Some of those kind of movies, a triumph of yeah. the human spirit kind of a movie. I, overall, I enjoyed it. I thought it was very good. It wasn't the greatest movie ever, but it was pretty good. And, you know, it had enough realism in it that I think, you know, it it did challenge you to think about, wow, this is a really dangerous uh, enterprise that they're, that they're doing, you know, being an educated person myself, there were lots of things I thought, I'm not so sure that's how that would have gone down, but oh, well, you know, you have to suspend Mm -hmm. some disbelief, but overall, yeah, no, I liked it. I liked it. That's good. Did it meet your expectations then of what you thought it would be from the trailer? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was, he did a uh, uh, Matt Damon did a good job acting. The supporting characters were all good. You had investment in the story. It wasn't just a ho hum kind of an affair. You you really were wondering how this was going to work out for him. How he was going to get back home. I mean, you kind of figured he was going to get back home. It's just you know you wanted to see the process and you know the story kept throwing obstacles in front of him and then him and the other people would sort of figure out solutions and and that's kind of how the movie went. That you know. As things got more challenging, they had to rise up and overcome those challenges. And that's what, you know, got everybody rooting for everybody. So, so yeah, yeah, I liked it. I think you're right with what you said early on, that it's one of those movies that it's the the hope. It's trying to overcome the odds and to think hopeful. Talking about Apollo 13, I mean, it's, yeah, it's space movie, so Apollo 13. But it's like, Apollo 13, if it was in the future, it's the same vein. It's got the same heartbeat and the same beats to it. And like you said, you know he's going to get out of there. Otherwise, it's just too depressing to think about. You know he's going to make it, but is anybody else going to die? What's going to be the sacrifice? What's going to mm-hmm. happen? I thought it was interesting, too, when you said that there are some things you're like, uh, is that really how that was going to work? What's impressive and i don't know how much other research you did about this movie outside of just watching it the author of the book worked with nasa and then nasa also worked on the movie too to create as realistic a movie as possible from the mm-hmm. science that they know from the understandings of physics that they know there are a few things that are like okay storms on mars would never become that rough but they needed something to catalyst the movie so it's like okay <laughs> there's a couple of little things like that but for the most part and they have since learned some other things since the movies come out. Like um, I think there was something that Martian soil is actually extremely toxic. So probably could not have grown anything in it mm. at the same time from the science that they've known, things are all plausible within the movie, which is something that they were really trying to go for. I think there's a few other things where they've gotten very nitpicky in there because they tried to make the movie as, as real as possible. So everybody said, well, actually, right, right. <laughs> Yeah, I found myself questioning some of the things. I mean, I guess the biggest thing I would question about the realism of it all was this idea that they had no contact with him 
uh, that to me is unbelievable. I just don't think NASA would send that many people and that much equipment out to another planet without some means of communication. I, I really feel like, you know, we'd be sending satellites out, they would be rotating or, or, or orbiting Mars, and we would have con- communication with Mars. It wouldn't just be a, oh, well, I hope they, you know, come back in a couple of years. No, it would be a we would have near constant contact with them. Now there'd be a delay, but at least we would know what was going on. So that, that was a big thing that I think if without that, you know, half the movie and the drama is gone. So I can Mm -hmm. see why as a writer, he would have had to put that in. I just don't think scientifically NASA would have done that. I think they would have said, okay, let's launch a bunch of satellites so that we can stay in contact with these people. Redundancies upon redundancies with mm-hmm, communication. Exactly. I mean, at the beginning, that's one of the things that they lost was the community. Well, they lost two communication vehicles. One, I think they had a communication relay in the ship that, that was there. And once that's gone, that's one thing mm-hmm. gone. And then the communication tower fell, which is how we got injured at the beginning. Exactly. That's the other yeah. communication. But there would be probably two or three or four other little things oh, yeah. as well. They, they would have put satellites around Mars. Mm-hmm. They would have had satellites around the moon. They would have satellites in between just to relay right. stuff. I mean, yeah, this it wouldn't have been like the old, you know, wooden ship days of just sending explorers off to the <laughs> new world, which is kind of the I think some of the feeling of what they were going yeah. for. And, you know, they talked about maritime law and all that. And so they were really trying to be this, you know, that kind of a movie, but it's set in the future. But uh, again, we've 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 dealt with that in our history and we know there are some problems with that. That's why we invented satellites and things like that. So, yeah, we, so we will never have to go through that again. I do like the fact that Having the thought exercise of movie like this and other mm-hmm. other stories and other things to challenge where we are now, to challenge what the future might hold for us, and to prepare us a little bit more for those kinds of things. Okay, so we thought about this. We had this in this book once. Let's not make sure we don't make that mistake again. Let's make sure we do create redundancies upon this. Let's make sure we do have a backup yes. plan for that. And so, once again... As we've seen in our past, science fiction becomes science fact because somebody asked the question and somebody put the idea out there. Yes. Which is always cool to see. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into some of this, the deep parts of this. What are the things you really liked? What are the things you really didn't like? What do you want to start with? Uh, let's start with stuff I liked. All right. I liked how it was heavy on science. I mean, you ha- once you made the initial, I guess, a few initial leaps of faith of where you figured, okay... He doesn't have contact. What does he do now? You know, scavenging through his supplies, finding the potatoes, and then figuring out, oh, I could grow these. You know, the soil is barren, but I have a way of injecting, you know, nutrients into that soil with all of the uh, the bagged poop that, you know, we've been saving up for the last couple of days. So that was all very, you know, I like that. And then, you know, he's talking to himself with the diary and basically to keep us you know, kind of apprised of what his thought process is. That was a really nice vehicle. I really liked how that went worked. Also, I liked, you know, some of the gimmicks of just how, you know, he's super buff at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And then by the end, he is, you know, Tom Hanks on Castaway, kind of emaciated, barely alive, because they've basically been starving him for the last year so they can make it that long. So he's yeah. no longer this muscular cut astronaut that was cool. I like that, you know, visual transition. So it, those were some cool things. Some of the it, supporting characters I really liked and some of the drama that was going on, particularly uh-huh. the political, the guy, uh, I guess, Jeff Bridges character talking about, you know, we're all on the same team. But of course, he's making these decisions that nobody else likes, these super political decisions, you know, so it made him the villain. And that was, you know, you got to have a villain, I guess. So yeah, he played the villain. 
it's it's easy to say that the villain of the piece is probably the planet and the the things that that are up against him. But there is oh yeah, it, it's it's hard to say that the director of NASA is really the villain. The director of NASA is looking at the bigger picture. He's looking at he's looking at the things that you're right. He nobody, is, although I think he's a villain. <laughs> he's a villain. He comes across as a villain. He comes across as a villain. But he's the guy who's making the decisions of yes. Okay, what do we have to do? I mean, do we sacrifice all of our political will? just to save this one man do we sacrifice five other people for this one man do we jettison our future space programs to push things forward to do this now it, he's making calculations that somebody's got to make and he's taking the hits for it yeah he comes out the villain but at the uh, end he's like yeah, i mean i agree somebody should be making those calculations i think he was just wrong i mean every time somebody made a breakthrough that would advance uh, watley's mm -hmm. life expectancy you know, Jeff Bridges' character was against that decision. Yeah. I mean, pretty much uh, all throughout the movie. And, uh, you know, I don't think that's coincidence. I think they they needed someone to kind of always be the, oh, that won't work or we can't do that. So that when somebody would go behind somebody's back and really, you know, make the, the idea happen, it, it gave it more to overcome than just a, hey, let's have a, we have an idea. Let's try it. I mean, right. that's, that's boring. So they, they wanted to create some drama, I think. Well, and also it was the his big vetoing of telling the crew, telling the yeah. crew that of what their plan was. No, we're not going to give them the choice. You know, we're mm -hmm. going to make the decision here and our decision goes. And then it's the uh, Sean Bean's character. This is the Sean Bean, director. baby. He's like, yeah, he's like, he's like, yeah, a movie with Sean Bean where he doesn't die. Bravo. Congratulations. And they had a Lord of the Rings shout out in the movie. That, I love that. My wife and I, we rolled at that. It was wonderful. But I mean, you know, he, he makes a decision. I'm going to go behind your back. You know, I'm going to have to ask your reservation resignation. All right, not a problem. I want to play golf. So it's all good. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it's fine. And, and frankly, I think Jeff Bridges would be uh, gone at the end of that movie, too. I don't think he'd still be in NASA. I think people would have said, you know what? We're going to have you go, too. He could be a senator or whatever, but he ain't going to be part of NASA no more. It's it's an interesting. It is interesting that he's still around. It's it's enough public goodwill that he that the mission was successful, that that everybody came back home, that that may be enough, you know, and that he was willing to push against those tough decisions. Mm hmm. Maybe he has grown a bit from it too. He may have grown. We don't know. It's it's hard to see. It's hard to see. Um, I, I, I know, know you're like no way, no how. Nope. I, I'm nope. willing to give him the benefit of the doubt because there's enough smart people around who have, who easily will say next time, hey, remember last time when we were right and you were wrong? Yeah, we haven't forgotten. <laughs> no, see, I think he comes out of that. That character comes out of this movie thinking. I did everything I was supposed to, just like I was supposed to. These other people messed up and, and it all, we luckily worked out because of what their mistakes were. I don't think he thinks he did anything wrong. Nothing. And, wrong. And, and of course that is incorrect. He did mess up a lot. So yeah. There's a few people that messed up here and there. There's a few small errors that, that people made too. And I think that's part of the movie yeah. as well is identifying when errors occur identifying when mm -hmm. human errors occur and what you what do you do to rise above it i think mm -hmm. we see that a little bit with jessica chastain as the commander melissa lewis yes she blames herself she's the one who oh, left yeah. she made the decision we are leaving she say, she chose the crew over the individual to make sure yeah. that they all got out of there and then second guessing her choice really hating herself for it which is human which is human she didn't just oh yeah i it. mean yeah but at the same time, you know, it's what do you do to move past that? Can you still be successful as commander? Can you accept your failures? Can you move forward? And can mm -hmm. you 
think past the problem, as Matt Damon keeps saying, you know, okay, this is a problem. What do I do next? I can be angry for a second, but what do I do next? Right. And I think the decision not to tell them really kind of works against that. I mean, it's basically saying that the director did not trust her to Mm -hmm. move past it. He basically felt like her and I guess by extension, the rest of the crew were so fragile that if they found out what really happened, that they had to make a hard choice based on the information they had, and it turned out to be not the best choice, that that would somehow jeopardize everything. And I, I, I just like, okay, come on now. now. These astronauts aren't, you know, fragile pieces of glass. They're astronauts. They're the best of the best. Yeah. And I think maybe that that might be some of the underlying things that I didn't like about it as well, that it's not expressed, but it's just the idea of just, I guess, the disorganization that they portrayed within NASA. I, I mean, that was part of the Apollo 13 because it was so groundbreaking of what was going on at that point. And right. it was such a rush to beat the Russians and all this stuff. And we're having to basically make promises. We had no way we knew if we could keep as far as getting men in, into space. This movie, I think doesn't, it tried to have some of that, but I don't think it would have realistically had that because I mean, we had sent, there was a whole other rocket already on Mars that they pre-sent out. I mean, there was mm-hmm. a lot of established stuff that, you know, NASA would have just been more organized. They wouldn't have relied on some, you know, vagrant kid who was down with the servers to just pop in and say, hey, I have the solution to everything. Well, you to know, be I, fair, I really, to, to be know. fair, it is Donald Glover. So, I mean, it, you know, it was, yes. I mean, and I he mean, has experience <laughs> with the Millennium Falcon. But yeah. <laughs> uh, in this in this role, he does not. He's just a bum who has wandered in with clearance saying, I've got a way to save astronaut Watley. And Actually, everybody's he's, like, he, he's not, he's not a, he's not a bum. He's a very intelligent guy who works for a jet propulsion laboratory. I mean, he's, he's one, he's one of those intellectuals who it's just messy around him because he's always thinking and he just doesn't. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Sure. I, I'm messy too, but you know, but I mean, he doesn't tell his boss his plan, no. uh, you know, cause he just goes down in the server and runs simulations or something. And it's yep. like, come on, that's not how mass NASA works y'all. I mean, they, they, if you have an idea, you need to workshop it yeah. with other people because oh, yeah. everybody in the room is as smart as you are. Don't hide your secrets and then no. come up with it at the end. I mean, that's not how NASA works. You do have people who are the savants like that who work great alone, but you bring them in and say, okay, what exactly. if you come up with? Yes. You know, bounce it off of us. We know that, you know, you right. work better alone. That's fine. But you bring us in, you loop us in, you get us involved in this so we yes. can be part of the problem, our problem, part of the solution as well. And like his plan, the whole slingshot around the earth, you know, instead of slowing down, speeding up, mm-hmm. uh, you know, okay, that's brilliant. But frankly, all the astronauts that he'd be working in with would be guys like my age, and they would have seen Star Trek uh, <laughs> four. And so they would know this, this premise of slingshotting around the sun to go through time, because they would have all seen that movie. We're all nerds here. You had us at the Star Trek solution, and, and we were there. Okay, we got yes, it. Yes, exactly. Got they would know. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Star Trek with the whales. They would have been like, of course. Did, did you do the math on the math work? The math works on that. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, they would have said, oh yeah, we worked out the math in our uh, you know group, our our group chat we do on Sundays. <laughs> you know, we're just talking about that movie. Hey, let's change some of the variables, and yeah, we'll use it on this uh, Mars mission. And then yeah, we're good so to they go. would have already known that. Let's talk a little bit about the crew themselves. I mean, we'll get around to Matt okay. Damon, but but I mean, we got the commander. We've got Michael Pena as the the major, the pilot. Yes. What did you think of him? I mean, we got we got MCU oh, yeah, guys all over great. the place here. 
Yeah, uh, he was kind of Matt Damon's best friend, I guess. And, mm-hmm. you know, so the the repertoire that they had, the insults and the, you know, the respect. I love that. Oh, and just, I mean, was there like a single person who wasn't in a Marvel movie that was in this? Because like everybody in this cast, I'm like, oh, he was Baron Mordo. Uh, oh, that guy. Yeah, he was in Ant-Man. And uh, oh, okay, Benedict, that Benedict, person... Wong, Benedict Wong. As, uh, exactly. As... Yeah, it's Doctor Strange. So <laughs> yeah, half Strange. this cast, you know, Winter Soldier, uh, yeah. you know, half this cast was a Marvel employee so yeah it was great yeah yeah good good cast of astronauts i liked how they all had their specialties mm-hmm. the, the one girl who was fantastic four whatever uh, you know her role was kate mara as beth she was like the computer specialist yeah. or something yeah okay yeah so she was good yeah i liked them all yeah once again it's it's also seeing the working together Mm-hmm. The, the astronauts who know things, who understand things, who can think on their feet. Mm-hmm. You kind of see, and it, it isn't until the rescue part that you really see it, but mm-hmm. you've always seen Matt Damon kind of adapt, overcome, solve the problem, because that's what he's trained to do. Mm-hmm. And at that time, when they're doing the rescue, that's where you see the rest of the astronauts do the same thing. Right. We're adapting, we're overcoming, we're seeing a problem. What's the solution? How are we going to solve it? That's the difference between them and NASA is you've got these astronauts who are trained. Like you said, they are experts. They're not fragile. Right. You give them the problem, they're like, okay, let's go. We're going right. to solve this. Well, and as an interesting side note, like most astronauts, they're not just a botanist. I mean, they're probably mm-hmm. the botanist and the geologist and maybe one other. I mean, they all have multiple degrees. Every astronaut, yeah. I mean, seriously, they're not just a single doctorate. They all have multiple doctorates, multiple advanced degrees. So, uh, and it, part of that's, by necessity, if you're only sending yep. six people out, you've got to have a lot of, you know, training in those six people. So everybody there is, you know, a doctor of this, a doctor of that. So yeah, it was, that's exactly what they're set up to do is to solve a multitude of problems. And you see that almost from the first scene, right after Matt Damon gets injured, he wakes up, goes back inside the, the habitat and he performs surgery on himself. Exactly. Yeah. And they would have been trained for that. Right. It's not first aid. He's performing surgery. He's, right. you know, he, he's figuring out, he knows what to do. He's got the setup there. He understands that he needs to do this. He's doing the sutures, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He needs to do this before he passes out. So yeah, it's, it's that multi skills. He is the team's biologist. He is the expert at that, but he also, he knows how to, he's also a mechanic. He's able to put a lot of things together. He's able to exactly. solve things, build things, rebuild things. Yeah, he, it's probably, he probably has a degree in organic mm-hmm. chemistry or something. I mean, you know, the whole con- uh, condensing the water out of the atmosphere. I mean, he probably, that wasn't just botany. That was organic chemistry. So, yeah, he probably has a lot of degrees. And, yeah. and mathematics as well. Mathematics is huge in this as well. Exactly, yeah. Because they've got to run their calculations. And and then when they realize, oh, we're going to be uh, passing by him too quickly. So we, we need to make arrangements. And so they do the extra thrust to slow themselves down. And then they have to, on the fly, recalculate everything to figure out, yep. okay, how close are we now? So, so yeah, all, all kinds of cool stuff like that. A lot of math, a lot of science. What are some of the things that, that just really made you... I'm trying to do an Elvis thing here. Say, I'm all love. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> all what things up. did you not like? Okay, well, <laughs> when, shook he's, up. when he's blasting off at the end and they, they kick the top off of the uh, the capsule, I didn't uh-huh. think that was realistic at all. I felt like, okay, well, that tarp would have, you know, if that tarp didn't survive just a storm coming by and blowing out the crops, you know, there's no way it's going to survive at the strap to the top of that capsule. That, that was That was not realistic at all. 
speaking of the uh, the tarp blowing out on the caps or on the uh, on the habitat, and he yeah. loses most of his crops. You know, he's yeah. he's overcome all this stuff. He thinks, hey, I'm going to be able to go the whole two years or whatever, mm-hmm. and then it blows out and he loses all the crops. One thing I didn't think was was uh, realistic on that was I felt like he should be able to repair the wall like he did. Mm-hmm. And then just refarm because I know he's lost all those crops, but he has some potatoes that are good that he's already, you know, because he continues mm. to eat. And all that water that he has condensed, it's there in the soil. I mean, it froze instantly, but once he prepares the leak, he can reheat everything up and, you know, maybe he can't get those crops back, but he can put new potatoes in, re put that water down in there because the water didn't float away. And mm-hmm. he's got poop. I mean, you know, he's been generating poop while he's been eating these these other potatoes. So he could just do it again. So that part I didn't like. Why why everything ground to a halt mm-hmm. when that door blew out? I am not. I'm not entirely sure. I I want to say, and I I don't have anything in front of me right now, but I want to say that there was some other components that he was missing at that point in time, whether it's... They said something about bacteria, but his poop's got bacteria. So yeah, I, I, I mean, do I, I, I don't know. I don't know. There there were some things that, that he lost in there that he couldn't pull back. I like the idea of maybe be, maybe doing a smaller garden, maybe yeah. something that, yeah, you know, maybe not to the size that it was before, mm-hmm. but maybe something that he could reconstitute. I would have to do more research on that myself to be yeah. sure. But I, I can definitely see that too. It's, it's like, it's so disappointing. It's like, can we start again? Is there any way that we can come back with something Exactly. Else? He should have been able to, but maybe they wanted it to be more dramatic. Also, with the loading up of the, wag, of the, of the rover at the end, mm-hmm. he's cutting the hole in the top. What was the point of that? That's interesting, too. I think that he needed... I think there was a, the idea that he needed more oxygen in there or or he needed more space for something. They they aren't absolutely clear. There was some no. need... There was some need for some additional thing that was needed there. I and think I'm not it was sure contrived. Exactly it was. I think they just wanted a funny scene where they would... He would fall through the roof at the same time that the people in Houston were falling through the roof. I, I, yeah, because he had a trailer on the back of that thing. So any equipment he could just throw in the back. And uh-huh. also, like, why was he carrying all those solar cells? Because if he dug up that nuclear reactor, that thing has power. I mean, that's the power for the whole station. He dug it up so he could stay warm, but it's also generating electricity. So he doesn't need solar cells. I think it was a depleted, I believe. I believe him. People can so write me and say up. I'm wrong. It, it was it was a used up power cell that still is radioactive, but the fact that it's still radiating heat is what was keeping him warm. It was just the heat element that he was using before to keep him warm. So the, it doesn't the, produce electricity anymore. No, doesn't produce electricity. It was just huh. it was just pure heat that he was. He's basically getting radioactive radioactive burns. Is what yeah, he's I mean, it's like having a microwave with the with the door off, and he's radiating himself to stay warm, which. I guess, you know, because he did wrap it in mylar or whatever to, I guess, keep his brain from frying. And I think he probably did that. But it's just like, you know, he, he's we're skirting the edges of, of healthy science here. It's like, don't yeah. try this at home, kids. 
so yeah so all right so maybe it, it it was depleted enough that it didn't produce power but okay all right so that's why you had to lug that stuff around but still doesn't explain that that sunroof he had to drill in there uh, that was weird but oh well yeah I'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to like talk to you ask questions at the same time like why does he do that the problem book was one of the three components was too large to fit in the rover to make it fit a hold was needed to cut in the rover top oh than- oh so what was the component that was too big i don't know um <laughs> Matt Damon's ego, his ego yeah, was too probably. big, and he had to enlarge the capsule or the, the <laughs> rover. Okay. I would believe uh, that. I would believe it. It was to get the big three devices in that he needed for life support to get the uh-huh. 200 days intended. So there was some bigger pieces that he needed for the lo- for the life support for the longer oh, period of okay. time. Uh, so like yeah. a carbon scrubber or something. Maybe. Yeah, All yeah. right. We'll make something up like something. That. Okay. It, had his, a thing yeah. was needed there. They needed to make the. They needed Makes to enhance it. Perfect because, sense now. Yeah, perfect sense. It, it's okay. designed to be to get you from point A to point B. It's not designed to live in all the time. No, but, no, yeah. yes, exactly. Okay, I can believe that now. All right, the whole movie is believable now. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not the whole movie, but I mean enough of it. What other things did you really like? What are the things that really sang to you though? I liked. Uh, I wish actually. All right, I like this so much. I wish there was more of it. His. His semi descent into madness <laughs> that was coming out at the end where, you know, he, he basically calls himself a pirate and he's half joking. But you do wonder if, you know, starving himself slowly and being alone all this time, only listening to other people's music and whatnot. That he going, hated. That he yeah, hated. That he hated. And he's going a little insane. I mm. would have liked it if there were like maybe more of that uh, yeah. and maybe earlier on so that you know, maybe he's, you know, self-doubt and stuff that the the madness is causing him to doubt himself. I mean, he did have periods where he doubted, but it would have been nice if there would have been a better connection with the madness. You know, it was kind of for comic relief, but it would have been cool if it had had a sinister twist to it where you're like, oh gosh, he might really be a little insane now. So uh, that would have been cool. It's interesting too, because it's one of the questions I think I would have with the film too is, is it completely believable that somebody could survive that long within those conditions and not experience some real psychological issues? Not to say that he probably didn't have any. Mm-hmm. Once he started having communication back to Earth, there were probably some things that they did to help him out where he could yeah. probably send messages right to a doctor, ask questions, and have conversations. Right. But but you're correct. Is it really believable that he could that he could survive? And there's a couple of points I would say to that is I think things we've already mentioned – these are not fragile people. These are people no. who are trained to do this, who have gone through psychological uh, testing, who have gone through a vigorous preparation for this. So they know what they're getting into and they're doing some things to prepare. And that's going to take you so far. Mm-hmm. I think from early on, we saw that he's got a very unique sense of humor, something that, you know, it's you know, he's he's not going to be there for. Like, you know, I'm okay. Everything's fine. He's going to go with, you know, I'm giving the fawns. I'm I'm trying to joke where I can joke. I'm trying to have fun where I can have fun. I am the smartest person on this planet, and I'm the smartest person on Earth as well because I can do this. <laughs> There's a bit of ego there, and you're right. Not only yeah. Matt Damon's ego, but also the character's ego. Yeah, the character Wally's has ego. We'll, we'll be forgiving to Matt Damon. Yeah. And the thing is, Wally has to have an ego. You have to have an ego because you are that smart. You have the multiple yes. degrees. And that is probably also helping him as well. Not everybody can do this. I can do this. I'm smart enough to do this, and I can and I can survive. You know, another thing, I think uh, Watley and maybe the other astronauts, Sebastian Sand, uh, the you know, Winter Soldier, that guy, yeah. 
I think they were the only ones who we don't think uh, they, they were married. They weren't married. They were everybody else was married. They, yeah. I think, were single because they're not talking about my wife or any of that other stuff. Like all the other crew members, you know, send messages to their wives or whatever. Well, two, uh, two of them do. The the, the commander, or well, three of them, uh, commander, the pilot. Oh, right. And- the computer girl. I don't think she does either. So well, the, she she hooks up. She hooks up with him at the end. Those two hook up with each other. Oh, at the end. right, with with Winter Soldier. Yeah. Okay, so but Watley, he he doesn't have anybody. No, he, his parents are the two people he thinks of when he thinks he's going to die. Right, and so uh, that I think maybe unintentional. Maybe they're suggesting the author is suggesting, hey, he's an independent person anyway. He he doesn't have somebody else in his life that he's that he needs that he's constantly, you know, in communion with, he mm-hmm. is a loner just by nature. And so for yeah. him, he's better able to be in this situation because Watley's just a loner. I think there's, I think that might be part of it, but at the same time, you do have the pilots who have the families who have loving families, but they still make the decision that, Oh yeah, we're going to go on a longer mission. We're going to go on a mission to save our friends. So there's, you're right. I think you're correct, but I think there's we can't discount the fact that just because the other ones have families, that they don't also have the sense of we have families, we have loved ones, we have people we care about, but at the same time we know what we're signing up for. We're signing up for something that could be a one-way mission. Oh right, yeah. The, for them, what we're seeing is they have all of those other people in their lives, and they are choosing to put them aside mm-hmm. because they have this duty to a a, 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 co- a coworker. And so for him, his challenge is different where he's trying yeah. to stay sane being alone. So, yeah. So they definitely have people and, and yeah. And, but for them, it's shown as a different thing of their, all these benefits of having other people in your life and they're having to put those aside so that they can endanger themselves to save this one guy. So, so yeah, I, I did like that multifacetedness. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. it worked. Let me ask you a big question then. You get the opportunity, mm-hmm. you get opportunity with training and, everything you could possibly need to go on a mission like this, would you do it? Uh, yeah, I think I would. Yeah. It, I mean, I would want more safety measures. Uh, I'm not sure. not happy with NASA's uh, lack of safety in this movie. I think they could have done a better job. Um, but we'll say that we'll say that there's a proven track record. Okay. You know, yes. But, but there's, but I mean, even with that, you, you have to be ready for anything to right. happen. You, you don't know. Space travel is space travel. Yeah, no. Uh, it could be dangerous. Yeah, I mean, the, the opportunity and just how groundbreaking it is and just how, you know, it's it's an experience that, you know, no one else will have, uh, at least not for yeah. a while longer. And it, you'd be the first to do so many things. I mean, he talked about that in some of the scenes where every step he takes, he is the very first human who has ever done that or been there. And yeah, uh-huh. that's amazing. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, staggering. All right. Is there anything that we didn't touch on? Is there any last bit that you want to make a comment on or anything else you want to just one last little stab at the old guy in the red planet? Mm. Well, you know, the Pathfinder thing was cu- was cool. I see why they put that in the movie because it, it, it gave a nice little solution to a problem of the, the lack of communication. And then he remembers, oh, ever how many decades ago it was, you know, we sent a Mars mm-hmm. rover and it's over in that crater over there and I can, you know, drive over there and go find it. And then he digs down in the soil mm-hmm. and finds the thing. And at the same time, the people on earth realize what he's doing. And so they use that as the means of communication. 
And then he, you know, has to decode what they're trying to send him through the messages and all that. So that, that was really cool. I liked that. I'm not sure again, it was totally realistic because I think they would have just had satellites, but anyway, but if they didn't, that was a very inventive way to have him communicate with earth. I think it's also a very cool nod once again to the big thesis of this film, which is science and the stars Mm -hmm. and the things that we have done to get here and the things that we're going to do to go forward in the future. And this is the nod to what got us to this point. This is the thing we did first. This led to that. And that leads to this. And yet we are still recognizing that we can't survive without the things we did at the beginning, which was sending this pathfinder to Mars to figure out what is on this planet Mm -hmm. and what is it like and how can we prepare to go to that planet because that's what's next. I always think back, one of my favorite shows is The West Wing. I love The West Wing. And there was a great moment when they were talking about a satellite that was supposed to launch and it didn't launch. And they were supposed to have this big this big online classroom where the president was going to talk about it with people from NASA. And it's like, okay, well, it didn't launch or it, it blew up. And they're like, okay, well, we can't do it. And he goes, no, we're still going to do it because we want to have the conversation. We want to talk about what did work, what didn't work, and what we're going to do next, mm-hmm. because that's all it is. It's about discovery. It's about going beyond where you're at now and pushing the limits further and further to better us as a mankind. And I just, I love that concept of let's go for what's next. Right. So no, no, that's yeah, that's a nice point. I didn't that didn't occur to me when I was watching it that yeah that that those scenes with Pathfinder, you know, because that's happening to us now, and but to them it was so mm-hmm. far ago and that you know it really does help make that connection uh, for, you know, younger viewers or excited about science or thinking about, wow, maybe this is, you know, what, what happens now, these launches, SpaceX, whatever, those are important because they could create a future like this that I'm watching in a movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. All right. I, this comes to the real big point of the show. I mean, this is why we're doing it. We're not just singing a little tune. I can't help with the Elvis puns. I'm sorry. I'm just looking at you. I cannot help with the Elvis no, that's puns. that's fine. We're not, just, we're not just singing a tune. We, we want to we dance our way to the rating of this film. So how many full bags of popcorn would you give it? One through five. One being bad. Five being great. Three being in the middle. Oh, man. I'm going to give this a very high three. Now, I know we don't do halves, okay. so I'm going to say three, yeah. but the, here's the things that keep it from being a four are one, it, you know, it, I've seen Apollo 13, you know, I've seen Castaway, I've seen other movies that uh, were Oscar vehicles that just had a little bit more in them that could make me think, wow, this was epic. This movie didn't make me think this was epic. I did like it. It entertained me, but at the same time, there were a few things that I guess my brain was still thinking, okay, I'm not sure that would be realistic. Now, you know, if I was Matt Damon's mom, I would probably give it a five, but I ain't. So I'm going to say a three, but it's a very strong three because I think it, it checked all the boxes. It did everything it was supposed to do. It's just, you know, it just didn't have that extra quality that a Apollo 13 or a castaway or something you know, epic like that would have had. Okay. I can, I can understand mm-hmm. that. I can understand that. I've got this one as a four for myself. Okay. I, I really like it, but I mean, it's, it's, I'm on the other side of your, your three, your, your, your heavy three there. I liked it. I think it's a very inspirational movie. I agree that you don't have the rah, rah factor or the, the, the emotional punch, the rah, rah factor of an Apollo 13 or the emotional punch that you get with, with Castaway or something like that. It just misses out on the epic part, but I think that it does a lot to inspire and a lot 
of good with the science and the the attempt to make it as realistic as they possibly can. There's a lot of times we watch movies and we're like, suspension of disbelief, suspension of disbelief. <laughs> but this one goes out there and says, you know, you're going to have to have that in a couple places, but you have to also bear with us and sh- let us show you where this is true on the science. Mm-hmm. And I applaud them for that. And I applaud what the message that they're trying to give. But thank you very much for watching it. I really appreciate it. Yes. No, I appreciate it. Uh, the, uh, the invitation was wonderful. I thought, hey, this will be great. <laughs> and then you surprised me with the movie out of the list that I chose. And I'm like, hey, all right, let's watch it. <laughs> well, you see, I, I had to choose this one because I know you like that orange and red kind of colors for Auburn. So <laughs> that's right. The warm colors. I mean, th- that's the, that, that's the real that's really the reason why. <laughs> yep. There you go. Speaking speaking of which, though. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, mostly on Twitter. I'm on Twitter as Auburn Elvis. Now, I also have a podcast that I do as part of the E2C uh, network. And the podcast is called War Horses because it is all about Auburn equestrian. In addition to being a fan of just Auburn sports in general, I am especially a fan of the Auburn equestrian team, which is the best in the country right now and has been for several years. So I have a podcast that has been chronicling that team's just dominance of the sport and it's it's pretty fun it's pretty fun i think you should check it out if you especially if you're a sports fan Mm -hmm. and uh, if you ever get a chance you got to try to find a picture because auburn elvis man it's it mm, wow yep (laughs) i really dress like this it's great really dresses like this let me tell you it's a thing my friends you can find me on Twitter at mmuckabout or on my other podcast, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, which I host with my very own Pathfinder that I also found on Mars. I just call him Jeff. If you would like to be on this show, please feel free to contact me. You can reach me at Jeff and Rick Present, all one word at gmail.com. Big thank you to Longbox Crusade for letting me use this beautiful attic of theirs to broadcast my show. It's great to see all these lovely movies that I can just take to my heart's content. Also, Mm -hmm. I want to thank their sponsor, Omaha Bound. They have this great thing where you can take all of your comics about Mars, put them in this nice big collection, and they'll bind it for you. Well, they won't do it right now. They will do it within about a year. So please Mm -hmm. check their website. If you want to use their service, and they will start doing that again, hopefully in about six more months, I think. Mm-hmm. Also, big thank you to the Longbox Crusade members who make this network possible. If you would like to support them, please head on over to Patreons and search for Longbox Crusades. That's all the time we have for you now. We'll be back next week. Grab some popcorn and pull up a seat. We'll be back soon. The music for this episode is Fall Back by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at josephlin99. That's J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9.